Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about the mind again. Psalm 43. You know we're going to go there. It's our, our fourth time to go there, I think. I have three at the top of my notes. I hope you have four at the top of yours. Because I think I went back and changed it when I caught myself. That we've talked about letting God help us with our mental health. I did a little review at the top of your notes of all three parts of scriptures that we've used the last three times we've taught it. You can go back and study those and you can always listen to it online. Psalm 43, 5 out of the Amplified says, Why are you cast down, O my inner self? And why should you moan over me and be disquieted within me? Hope in God, wait expectantly on him, for I shall yet praise him who is the help of my countenance and my God. If we need help with our countenance, he's the help of it. Right? And it's not faking it. You know, I think sometimes we talk about the mask. Wear the mask. And there's all the mental commercials that have, you know, the mask. They're holding the mask. And, and there have been times that... I've done that. There's been times in my life that were sad times and I put a smile on my face and I got up here and preached for y'all. And, 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 but our, our, our countenance has to be based on a truth. And that is he can, he can turn our mourning into dancing. He can give us the spirit of praise. Right? For the garment of heaviness. That's what the word says. And so I put the smile on my face, though my face does not feel like smiling, because I know he is the help of my countenance. We're going through something, and he is in there with us. I think about the three Hebrew children in that furnace. It was hot, but it wasn't to them. Why? Because there was a fourth man in the fire. And you may be going through some tough things, but there's a fourth man in the fire. And we can depend on him to be the help of our countenance. God really has been dealing with me this week about anxiety. Specifically, anxiety. There's a lot of anxiety disorders. Social anxiety disorder. I mean, there's just they've broken it down and spun it off into a million different ways. Anxiety is fear. I'll make it real simple. Anxiety is fear, and fear is a spirit. And I don't mean that you're demon-possessed. I don't mean that. If you're a Christian, you can't be demon-possessed. But there, there is oppressive spirits, even in towns. You ever gone in a town and you thought, whoa. You, crawl, you cross into some towns and you're like, this is depressive. This is poverty. This is, you know, there, there, there's oppressive spirits, influencing spirits. And I'm not saying, please get me, I'm not saying you're demon-possessed because if you're afraid, fear is a spirit. I'm just saying there's oppressive atmospheres, oppressive spirits, and we need to recognize it at that. I began to deal with a little bit of anxiety myself this week due to a circumstance, and I jokingly acted it out uh, yesterday and then I got home and I thought, you know, that's really how I felt. I mean, and, and so I began to have to apply this to myself because our bodies respond 
to anxiety. Because our bodies were made to respond to our thinking. How important is our thinking? Very. I'm my nurse practitioner sitting back there, and I bet you could give me the medical side of this. And if I need you, I'm going to call on you. Stay right. I'll try not to. But our blood pressure can be affected by our thinking, right? Sleep can be affected by our thinking. Heart rate. I mean, it just goes, your body was made to respond, and, and a lot of physical ailments are caused by mental distress. Your stomach, digestive system, affected by it. So I began to just think about how important this subject is that we've been covering all these weeks and God just hadn't let us off of it yet because I think we're still working on breaking this down and recognizing it in our own lives. I want us to recognize anxiety, separation anxiety, whatever it is, for what it is. It is the spirit of fear. And it's there to try to steal, kill, and destroy. It's a thief. It's an absolute thief. Chemicals are released according to your thoughts in your body. Those chemicals are either doing you good or they're doing you harm. Think about these scripture statements. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. As he thinks in his heart... So is he. Your thinking is becoming a reality. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of your heart are the issues of life. This thinking thing's important. It's important. What we let in and what we allow to develop, what we feed on, it's, it's crucial to our living or our dying. He said that, that the power of life and death were in the tongue. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will. It's just all so connected. It's all so connected and all starts with that thinking thing. And that's why we, we studied or talked about in previous weeks that we're supposed to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. If it's not Christ's thought, then we have to take that. Why do you take something captive? Yeah, because it's an enemy. You, you want to stop it. It's an enemy. And some of, uh, I think I used David Insel's quote last week, stinking thinking is an enemy to your health, it's an enemy to your marriage, it's an enemy to your productivity, to your jobs, to your relationships. Thoughts are so important and that's why he wants us to take them captive while they're still a thought. We've got to narrow down in the last days, y'all, as, as, as the pressure is building outside of the kingdom, we live in a kingdom of peace, but outside the kingdom, that pressure... We've got to narrow our thoughts in more than ever before. And I got this little pamphlet from uh, Charles Capps Ministries. It was, if you, if you give into his ministry, you probably got it. 
uh, I don't think it, I don't know if it's the one that was this month or not, but it's called the Triangle of the End. Now, y'all, I'm no artist, but let me tell you, I did a drawing for y'all this morning because I didn't have anybody here that I could have get me something ready for the big screen. So y'all ready for this? You can draw this on your own paper if you're as talented as I am. I give you an upside-down triangle with a line down the middle. Bo, stop it. If you social media this, you just, you just wait what's going to be up on your guitar stand next week. Oh, wait, I had to walk in love, don't I? Okay. I forgive you, Bo, for whatever you're about to do. One in every crowd. Sometimes you got more than one in a crowd. Charles had this in the pamphlet. There's a line down the middle. As we're drawing near to the end, and listen to what he said. This is in your notes if you got the notes. There was a time when you could be off from the center line at the top of the triangle and still be inside the triangle of light. Right? But as you approach the triangle of the end, you must move closer to the center line To stay in the triangle of light. Not that you're not born again. Okay? I'm just talking about being able to live the way God designed us to live. As the triangle of time gets more narrow. Now that's not in the Bible. That was a word. Of, actually a word of prophecy that was given by Charles Capps. So I want you to know that. But up here. Let's just say in your grandparents' day. You know, you could live in that triangle light. There wasn't as much pressures on there. But as we get closer then, and evil and darkness is growing darker and darker, we got to be closer to the... I want to be as close to the bright light as I can get. I remember Melanie Bertolio, who we've had here several times for Ladies Agape. I was actually up there in Missouri and listening to her preach. And she was like, you know, you can live in the kingdom and live at the border... Like, how close to the border of Christianity can I live? Can I do this and still be a Christian? Or do you want to live in the heart of the kingdom? That's where we're going. And so, you want to live on the fringes? You can live on the fringes. But it's getting more narrow. Narrow is this way. This road is the narrow road. Well, I just don't want any controls. I just don't want anybody. I just want to live in the kingdom. And if that means me coming closer to the center line, that means me coming closer to the center line because I love what the kingdom has for me, Mariana. It is a whole life that is different than this world is living. I can go to sleep at night. I can lay my head down. My thoughts are not torturing and tormenting me because I'm close to the center line. And I just want to speak peaceful sleep to the believers. As you learn to control your minds that when you lay your head down at night, that you will think on Him. You can't do that and watch a horror movie at the same time. That's the fringe. What are we feeding our thoughts 
The more I want to have his thoughts, the more I have to feed on his thoughts. And so let's, let's bring, bring that triangle in, stay in that center line. We simply need strong minds because we live in troubled times. And you know, Timothy, it was written in, in I think it was 2 Timothy. Good to have my one and two mixed up there. Chapter 3, that in, in the last of the last days, there will be perilous times. That's no secret. We shouldn't watch whatever news station you watch and be, I don't want to get on anybody's toes. I can even watch some of the Christian news ones and get depressed. It's like, give me some light here. I know enough about what's out there. <laughs> you know, just give me a few things that I need to know about and what I need to do about it, and then let's just move along. Because the Word of God is our salvation. And so, watch what, you're, watch what you're feeding on. We need strong minds. We know the troubled times are here. But he also tells us that with the darkness, the light gets lighter. To the dawning of a new day, that's where we're headed. And so, let's not get caught up in that the world is dark, the world is dark. It is light inside here. Get closer to the center line. If you're feeling like you're living in darkness, get closer to the center line. 1 Peter 1.13. I'm going to read it to you out of the King James Version. This is the, the word that kept coming to my mind uh, this past week. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Anybody ride horses, ever rode a horse, ever saddled a horse? You gird them up. You take that belt <laughs> that goes under their bellies, which most of the time they kind of blow it out a little bit because they know what you're doing. They're like, hmm, we'll see how tight you can get this thing. But you, I've, I've watched my dad do it a thousand times. Grab that girt <laughs> and pull it just as hard. And you're just thinking, oh, my stars. <laughs> what are you doing to this animal? He is getting that thing on there tight to hold it on. So when I think of gird up, I think of that and then, a few uh, movie scenes of women back in the day wearing those corsets. You know, put their foot on their back and pull those strings and gird up anything that might be loose. <laughs> gird up the loins of your... Gird up your thoughts. It's time to tighten them up, church. Time to tighten them up. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. You know what sober means? Not intoxicated. Not intoxicated. Outside influences, outside chemicals, outside thoughts. Be very aware, be very alert, be very sober. I'm telling you, I see a lot of good Christians intoxicated with bad news. It's like they're eat up with it. Especially when it comes to politics in our country. I'm just, I think I'm just going to start getting bolder and start saying, 
shut up. <laughs> Bo has given me permission. Sh- shut up. Let's, let's cinch up our thoughts. What does the word say? Y'all are welcome to use the same shut up quote on me. What does the word say? That's how we cinch up those thoughts. Does the word say that? Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. And hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not fashion yourselves according to your former pressures in your ignorance. But as he hath called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of your lifestyle. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Think like God. Think like God. Gave a whole book of his thoughts to us. And we want to spend all of our time watching that news station. Gird up, brace up, prepare your minds for action, one version says. Have your minds prepared for action. And it comes, it comes from one example one of the commentators gave was from Exodus 12, 11. And you remember the children of Israel, uh, the plagues were going on and, and uh, they were held up in their houses and they were fixing to have the Passover lamb and the, the death angel was coming through Stafford's, right? So you don't want to step outside of the blood. Had the blood on the doorpost. And you know what he told them to do? To have, to gird up. He wanted their, their long robes belted up so that when it was time to go, they were ready to go. And they were not impeded by any loose ends. Not impeded by any loose. Their shoes were to be on their feet. They were to be girded up. And they were to be ready. Hopeful expectation. Ready to roll. That's how God wants to find his church. Not impeded by a bunch of loose ends. I loved that. They literally were to gird up the loose ends of their garments into their belts. Imagine that. And Ephesians 6 says what? To have our loins gird about with truth. Not information. This is the age of information. We have more information than we can process. And dare I go out there and say this. Not all information is accurate. That's why when you say, but I saw this on social media, my first response is, did you look to see what that source was on social media? Because we're to have our loins gird about with truth to stand in the evil day, the script, Ephesians 6 says. 
So that's, that's how we find people that, that are still standing in tough times and in the midst of battle is they have gird their loins with truth. And when, and when you do the Rick Renner study on this armor, Dressed Kill is what his book's called, um, the belt really is the connecting, the belt of truth is really the connecting factor for the rest of the armor. It's key. If we don't have truth, how can we walk in righteousness? If we don't have truth, how can we walk in salvation? All the other parts of the armor. Truth is key here. And our minds are troubled because we have fed them so much knowledge and information. Well, we're just living in a generation where false and true are not easily discerned. Because you were made to believe what you hear. Romans 10, it tells you that faith comes by hearing. And if you hear something, even if it's a lie, if you choose to hear it, hear it, and hear it, and hear it, do you know you will deceive yourself and it will become a truth to you even though it's not true? Can I tell an old Tom Underhill story? I know a lot of you didn't know my dad. We, we kind of had a... Uh, kind of have a new congregation, even though there's about a hundred of you or so that were here before. But there's a lot of you that, that didn't get to hear Dad's repetitive stories, so I'll start repeating them for you. <laughs> this is not his most glorious story, but he told it on himself. When I was a little girl, Dad owned a car dealership down in South Arkansas. And he had a secretary who worked for him, and he and the other salesman just got a kick. I know, Mom. He's probably not smiling at me right now. Uh, Miss, was it Harriet? Harriet. I'm sure she's in heaven now. The time my dad and the salesman got through with her. But she would, she would be at work doing her job. Don't try this at work, okay? And they would walk past her. Okay, I know you've probably heard him tell this. And they would say, you feeling okay today? We're sick. You look a little pale today. You, you doing okay? Before the end of the day, she would go home sick. <laughs> Faith comes by hearing. Believing comes by hearing, even if what you're hearing is a lie. So I guess maybe I should say, where's your information coming from? Because if it's not coming from God's word, you may be conditioning yourself to believe a lie. And that is a huge problem in mental health. Self-deception. Well, that was popular. Let's move along. Um, now, I'm just going to, since I'm already in there, let's just jump on a little deeper into the frying pan, shall we? This world of entertainment, of fantasy. All the kids are in children's church. Here we go. Video games. Fantasy worlds. By what you're reading, what you're watching, what you're listening to. There's a whole world of, there's a whole Dark world of fantasy. And 
when I was a kid, you know, these games started coming out, and, I mean, weird things started happening. People started doing crazy things. I could list some of those games. But I, I think they still exist. But, I mean, kids started doing mean things, and, I mean, kids have always done mean things, but, y'all, these were coming out from these hidden worlds, hidden from the parents, mostly. Fantasy has made things look, sound, and feel so real that the body and mind have started to be, they started being fooled. The body and mind have started being fooled and have started to respond to shadows. I've dealt with it so much this week in people's reality lives. Things that came from fantasy worlds. And I'm talking about perversion of life in children. Children. And I, sometimes I just look at staff or I look at Rusty and I'll say, how can a child even come up with this? And I'm going to just go ahead since I'm not running for homecoming queen. Parents, where are you? Protectors of your homes. Dads. Come on. Well, I don't even know how to turn the computer on. You better learn. You better learn and you better get on there. Or you call somebody who knows what they're doing and you say, I want to see every single thing my kid's been on. Maybe first of all, you need to watch what you've been on. This, isn't, this mental health thing didn't just happen, church. Somebody's, somebody's feeding your kids some thoughts. Because a kid doesn't just start questioning their gender. That doesn't just happen. The evidence is right in front of them. Right in front of them. Somebody has to be feeding a thought that has become more real than what they can see in the physical. I'm just angry about it. I'm just angry about it. It is because it's injustice. These children do not deserve to be confused. So where's, where is it coming from? It's wrong information from somewhere. And we as parents and grandparents and as the body of Christ need to be guardians of the mind. Not just the spirit, but the mind. heartbreaking but when we start calling abnormal normal and darkness light we've got to pay attention church 
And we don't want to get behind this. We want to be in front of it. In front of it. And not be afraid. Not be afraid to speak truth. In love. Speak the truth in love. But you know the scripture, and this is so not in my notes, but let's go with it. The world has us in anxiety about the truth that we know and fear of speaking it. We need to go back and study some uh, disciples, some apostles. We need to go back and watch that movie that came out several years ago on the Apostle Paul and see that his love for humanity was bigger than any fear of what man could do to him. I believe the end time church is going to have to be much like the beginning church. And just being good little Christians and sitting on our pew is just not going to work. It's not going to work. Thank God for our children's church pastors, our preschool classes, our nursery workers, our youth group leaders, our young adult leaders, our group leaders who are not afraid to share the truth with people who have questions because they're confused. And I'm not just talking about gender, but they're just confused. They're just confused because they got wrong information. And you're talking about anxiety when you don't know who you are. That's cause for great anxiety. They're scared of people. They're scared of things. They're scared of information. They're scared. They're fear-based. And we're faith-based. Let's go to Philippians 4. I'll try to rein my thoughts back in. Gird up my mind, right? It's personal to me when... People I love and have sown into and they've sown into me are going through things that could have been helped. And I wonder, of course, I question myself where I missed it. Was I not plain enough or were we not plain enough or, you know, how do these things happen? We're just going to start talking about them more in the light of the word. Amen. Philippians 4, I know you know this passage, but... Verse 6 says, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. But in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, by definite request, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. And God's peace, which transcends all understanding, It will garrison and mount guard over your heart and over your mind in Christ Jesus. There is a protection, and this is what I've been praying over my grandchildren, that they are, their minds are coated. They are coated by God's word that they've heard. And that it protects. That it garrisons, that it 
that it mounts a guard over their hearts and over their minds. You know what a guard's there for? To protect, to keep out what doesn't need to come in and to keep in what doesn't need to go out. And that's what he says God's peace will do. For the rest, brethren, and we've covered this one already in this, but I'm going I'm to throw it in here today because it just goes with it. You've got to think about whatever is true, whatever is worthy of reverence, whatever is honorable and seemly, is just, is pure, is lovely and lovable, is kind and gracious. And if there's any virtue and excellent, if there's, and if there's anything worthy of praise, think on and weigh and take account of these things. Fix your minds on them. And practice what you've heard and received and, and learned of me and have modeled. And the God of peace, of untroubled, undisturbed well-being will be with you. When? When you think like that. When you think on these things, if you're thinking on trouble and hate and darkness, the God of peace can't rule in that atmosphere. You are building an atmosphere for God to rule in when you think on these things. That's the filter we talked about in past weeks that you run your thoughts through. And if they don't fit in there, then you've got to gird up the loins of your mind, tighten it up, and get rid of those thoughts and replace them. God's peace transcends what you think you know. It'll rise up over any wrong information. You just got to give it opportunity to work. I know we can't help some of the things we hear. But we have something to do with those things that we hear. And we can bring them captive. We can let the peace uh, become superior knowledge over what we hear. We're not oblivious. And I know. I can hear you. Not literally. God can hear you. But I just want to be informed. I, 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 wanna, I want the knowledge of what... Don't you want to know what's going on? Well, there's a difference in knowing what's going on and immersing yourself in it. And if all that comes out of your mouth is the news, there's no way to live in peace. It's impossible. It's impossible. Yes, I want to be informed. If there's a war going on somewhere, yes, I want to know about it. But I want to know about it for a reason. So be very careful when something's going on in our community. And there's news of something about somebody going on in our community. Why do I want to know? Or do I just want to get caught up in the Shark frenzy, because somebody smells blood. Why do I want to know information? That's a great question. And if that information starts robbing your peace, 
you really need to take another look at it. Because God's information becomes peace at the door of my mind. The world's information has never done that for me. So we got to make sure that we keep his peace as superior knowledge that will garrison and mount guard over our hearts. Fear and anxiety, it is a spiritual force. It's a spiritual force. And it's a force of darkness and it's not from God. Second Timothy, I think I referred this to you earlier. God has not given us a spirit of fear. He has not given us the spirit of timidity, some versions say. But he's given us the spirit of power. Why? So you can do something about it. Not so we can be afraid, but so that we can do something about it. He hasn't given us the spirit of timidity or the spirit of fear, but he's given us the spirit of power. When we get information, we don't have the spirit of fear. We have the spirit of power. Power's there to do something. It's here to go into action. The spirit of power. The spirit of love. So when I get information, it's not so that I can have the spirit of fear. It's so I can have the spirit of love. And put love into that information. To put love into that circumstance. He hasn't given me the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power, the spirit of love, and a... Sound mind. A sound mind. One of self-control, some versions say. Right? Self-control. He's given me the ability to gird up the loins of my mind. You know, God loves his kids. He doesn't want us living in anxiety like the rest of the world. He wants us to live in power. He needs us to interject his love, his power, his outcome into the chaos of the world. When God looked out at creation and the world was in chaos and in darkness and void, he wasn't afraid. The spirit of fear did not come upon him and think, what happened to my creation? The spirit of love came upon him. This, well, I shouldn't say came upon him. The spirit of love is him. The spirit of power is him. And he began to speak light into that situation. If you want a sound mind, when you hear darkness, you speak light. Instead of getting in fear, you get into love. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear. In love. If you're anxious and, and the, the things around you are causing you to live in anxiety, listen to this. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. Dread. I think I've talked to you all about this before, and I think Mark did a message on dread one time. Dread is just prolonged fear. It's just, it's just fear ahead of time. And there's been times I've dreaded things. I've dreaded them. I need to recognize that for what it is. Because if I understand the love of God for me, it will end dread. Because whenever I get to that day that I've been dreading, my God will already be there. 
He'll already be there. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out the door and expels every trace of terror. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment. And so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love, is not yet grown into love's complete perfection. You know, I'm reading a book right now called Surviving People. And at the end of every, it's a devotional, at the end of every day, I know, right, you need this book. Um, at the end of every day, it says the same thing. Ask God to reveal to you how much he loves you. So every day when I end the study about people, dealing with people, handling people, it tells me to ask God to show me how much he loves me. Perfect love, it casts out fear. Most of our anxieties can be handled by knowing how much God loves us. Whom shall I fear? So if I'm dreading and I'm anxious, I need to do what the scripture said. I need to gird up my mind, my thoughts, bring them under control. One of the passages that we read said I needed to pray. And I needed to pray in an attitude of thanksgiving. I need to keep the word in front of me instead of information in front of me. Church, we can sleep at night. We can sleep at night. We can. We, we, can, we can walk into tough situations in peace. Not that they're not a tough situation. But we can walk into a tough situation in peace. We have a guard at the door of our mind and our heart who will not let fear in. The peace of God will turn fear out. But if we're not choosing, it's not something God rains down on me. It's something I will walk in the peace of God. I will live in the peace of God. I will put thoughts in my mind that bring me the peace of God. Those are choices that we make. So let's just kind of look at our lives this week. And when fear, depression, anxiety, um, not sleeping well, and I'm not talking because of a physical thing, but, you know, a mental thing, let's just take a time out. And say, where is this information coming from? And is it the truth? Is it what God would say about the circumstance? And bring it, bring it on down. What does God say about it? And if I focus on what God says about it, sleep well. Sleep well. Just go to sleep. Sleep well. Does it take effort? Absolutely. You know how your mind can tend to do at night? Speak to the chemicals in your body. There are things that your body produces that helps your body to sleep. 
He provided healing. He provided those chemicals in your body for you to sleep. Anybody here need, need sleep? No, not need sleep. Like you've been troubled in your sleep. Been troubled in your sleep? Somebody next to them, just put your hands over there on them. If, if you, somebody next to you, raise their hands. Just put your hands on them. Father, we just, we just take authority over whatever the cause of sleeplessness has been. Father, you provided health and healing for every body in this room. Literally every physical body in this room. You gave chemicals to our body. And we, cause, we call those chemicals to be produced where they're lacking. And the chemical levels in their body to be at a healthy level. And we call for sweet sleep. You said you give us sleep. Sweet sleep. You knew it was important to our bodies. So thoughts, if you've been the issue, we call you into order. We're taking you captive. We're going to put God at the forefront of our minds at bedtime, whether that's through music or through words. You will be, Father, you're going to be the last thought we have when we close our eyes and the first thought we have when we open them. And the in-between is going to be called sweet. And we thank you and we give you praise for it supernaturally in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all can stand with me. We're just going to end right there. Didn't plan on talking about sleep, but please wait till you get home before you let that anointing hit you or have somebody else drive. I'm feeling some good Sunday naps coming, but don't, don't, nap, so, and then, don't nap so long and then blame not, on me not being able to sleep tonight. Uh, take you a short nap, get you some rest. It's part of, it's part of health. Sleep is part of health, Right? He provided it for us. God rested. I expect he might think we might need it as well. Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you for the spirit of faith that's over the spirit of fear. The spirit of love and the spirit of power that's sitting here in these pews and standing here today. Father, I thank you that as we have thoughts that start going in the wrong direction, that your Holy Spirit's the teacher of the church. Holy Spirit's our God. Holy Spirit's our comforter. And as you bring it to our attention, that you show us how to change that thought, how to, how to not just tell that thought to go away, but how to replace it with the truth of your word. And your truth will rule over and reign over any wrong thinking. And Father, I think we need to repent for filling our minds with too much wrong information. That we would put a more of an emphasis on you, on your word, on your truth, on songs of praise, of thoughts that are worthy of our thinking. And that we not get caught up in the world's trap that tries to rule the nation with fear. We are a kingdom of faith. And we will not live in fear from the nation. We call peace and, and we speak peace into chaos and it changes. Whatever that is in our marriages, in our homes, in our work in our country.
we say, light be. And light was. And we thank you. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.